0: Okay, church, how's your rhythm? This is the third week, so hopefully if you have participated in the last two weeks, you know that we committed to surrender and make that one of the rhythms in life for us. We also said that we would become much greater in prayer. That's the second rhythm. And today we're going to add another rhythm to those so that as we continue to build, there is a purpose with this. This is a form of being a good disciple of Christ. Let me just refresh your memories for a moment about spiritual disciplines. These are things you do on a regular basis so that you can create and maintain good behaviors. That's what disciplines are for. It helps you to become more like Christ. When you practice each of these, the calling that God has upon you becomes clearer. And again, you develop a strong, Christ-centered emotion and thought process so that you can reflect who Christ is. That's why we want to go after rhythms in life. That's why each of us, no matter how long you've been following Jesus Christ, has a responsibility to continue to grow. The writer of Hebrews said this, he said, that we need to move beyond the basics look at Hebrews chapter 6 the first three verses he's talking to believers he says therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death of faith in God instruction about cleansing rites the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment, God permitting, we will do so. Here's the challenge he's giving us. He said, there is, when you first become a Christian, there is a place for the basic understandings. But after you've followed him for a while, it's necessary to move beyond those fundamentals and start walking a deeper walk with the Lord to understand what his purpose is for your life now to do that you need accountability the third rhythm you need to find a rhythm that not only holds you accountable to yourself but accountable to God because in the end we are all accountable to God the thing is he wants us to prepare now by finding someone that one person to whom you can be accountable. It's not an easy thing to do. So who are you looking for? Well, you're looking for more than a friend. Friends are necessary. Friends are wonderful. Friends are people you can spend time with, you can do all sorts of things with, you can probably cry with them and laugh with them. But there is a deeper friendship needed with the one who will hold you accountable. It's a different challenge. It's someone who can lovingly express what you need to hear at that moment. Because every one of us, we, we slide from side to side, from time to time. We, we get off that center line and we take a little bit of a right or a little bit of a left. We all do it. But we need someone who knows how to address that in our lives. There's a story of a Really good pastor. He loved his people, and he was always conscious of whether they were there or not. I served under a pastor like that, Dr. Bartlett Hess in Livonia, Michigan. 5,000 people there, and he knew everyone's name. And if you weren't there on a Sunday, he knew it. He'd come to me, I want you to call on the Smiths. I hope there are no Smiths here. (laughs) Well, this pastor, a different one, noticed... After three weeks, that John had been missing from the normal place that he sat in the worship service. So he said, this afternoon, I'll go visit John. So he goes to John's house. He knocks on the door. John opens it. Pastor, John, come in. He goes in. They go to the living area. They sit in front of a fireplace. The pastor doesn't say a word. John doesn't say a word. The pastor sits there about ten minutes. He stands up, he takes these big tongs, and he takes a burning log and he brings it out and puts it out on the hearth and he sits back down. Five more minutes, ten minutes. They don't say a word. He gets up, picks it up, puts it back in the fire. Says, John, I need to leave now. He got up, walked to the door. John walked with him. He said, I enjoyed the visit, John. John said, so did I, Pastor. See you next Sunday. Do you see what happened? This is accountability. Here's what the pastor said to him. You're normally on fire, John, but you've cooled down. I'm going to put you back in the fire. It's that simple. And that's what happens with loving accountability. Sometimes words don't even have to be expressed. I mean, you guys, we know, right, if you're married, the look When she looks at you, you know she's holding me accountable. Here we go again. Well, we can't make it alone. I'm going to say that over and over here today. We weren't designed to make it alone. We are in need. We're in need of one another. And we're in need of those very special relationships that God gives us. One great leader said this. He said, though intellectually... I know how vulnerable I am to pride and to power. I'm the last one to know when I succumb to the seduction. You get that? I know me. I know what can tear me away, but it's not until after it's torn me away that I realize it did it, because I'm not strong enough to keep it from tearing me away. I've got the Lord. I'm crying out to him. Holy Spirit lives in me, but I need flesh and blood. I need someone who can hold me accountable. The world won't do it. We fight the world, the flesh, the devil. That's what the scripture says. I'm fully aware of my flesh. I know those temptations that come at me that I need to resist. But the world is far more subtle, isn't it? The world wants to be your accountability partner. The world wants to show you ways to go and things to do, always in opposition to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, always. One of the greatest works ever written is entitled Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan. There's a children's version available too. If you've never read this work, You really need to do it. It is one of the greatest that takes this story of a man named Christian who is burdened with sin, and it covers his journey as he's going toward that final place. And he engages with a variety of people along the way to challenge him. And only one or two are really giving him the right advice. So we're going to pick up a conversation that he is having with a character named Worldly Wisdom. And Christian is struggling to get where he's going. Here's what happens first. Worldly wise man studied Christian for a moment. Will you listen to me if I give you advice? Christian considered his answer. If it's good advice, I will, because truly I'm in need of some wise advice. What's he saying? He's saying, I need accountability. I need someone who can answer my question, someone who can point me in the right direction. Worldly wise man says this, then I would advise you to get rid of that burden, talking about his sin, as fast as you can, because as long as you have it, you'll never have peace of mind or be able to enjoy the blessings that God has bestowed on you. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, He's right you want to get rid of your sin so that you can receive the blessings from God so here's worldly wise man giving him something true he's saying you want to get rid of that it's not the message he's giving him that's wrong it's the method of showing him how to do that now christian answers that's exactly what i want to do to be rid of this heavy burden listen to these words but I can't get rid of it on my own. That's his second statement, that I need accountability. Now, here's where worldly wise man starts moving off of anything that would be related to Christian accountability. He says, so, who told you this way to go to get rid of your burden? Christian says, a man who appeared to me To be a very great and honorable person, as I remember it, his name was Evangelist. All right, You see the contrast that John Bunyan is setting up? Christian with Evangelist, worldly wise man, saying these are the choices that you and I have on a daily basis. And Evangelist is the one who's giving the truth. Worldly wise man is now going to take that truth and he's going to twist it. I can picture this in my mind. I know you can too. Worldly wise man's face puckered in a sour expression. Of course it did. Because that which he hates the most is the one that Christian is following, the evangelist, the one who's following God. I most certainly condemn this man, evangelist, for his advice. There isn't a more dangerous and troublesome way in the world to travel than the way he's told you to go. Here's what's interesting. Sounds like Satan. That statement is true. What did Christ promise us? It is appointed unto you not only to believe on him, but to suffer on his behalf. Worldly wise man continues. He said, listen to me. I am older and more experienced than you. If you continue in this direction, listen carefully, you are likely to experience wearisomeness. Painfulness, hunger, perils, nakedness, sword, lions, dragons, darkness, in a word, death, and who knows what else. So why should a man so carelessly place himself in danger by listening to a stranger like this man, evangelist? That's the end of their conversation for us. But it sounded to me like he was saying what Christ said to the disciples and to you and me. There are going to be experiences of wearisomeness, painfulness, hunger, perils, nakedness, sword, lions, darkness. In a word, we're all headed to death. Yes, that's the promise of God. The difference is the world will stop at death. We continue. Because we're following evangelists. We're following the word of God. We're following that good word that tells us about the person of Jesus Christ. Of course we're going to follow him. But to avoid the wisdom of worldly wise man, we need help. We have to admit that. I need help. I need someone in my life holding me accountable in a lot of different arenas. Well, why? I don't know about you, but I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. And you have the wonderful opportunity of having someone help you or you becoming someone who helps another through this life. Last year, we offered a series that we called Walk This Way. You may remember it. We talked about the way of the fool and the way of the wise person. I want to renew a few thoughts from that as we talk about accountability. Proverbs 6.23, listen to what this proverb says. For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light. Correction and instruction are the way to life. Someone needs to correct you, someone needs to instruct you. Isn't that how we started life out? Our children need correction and instruction. We are children of God. We still need correction and instruction. Proverbs 10, 17, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. So not only do you end up going astray if you don't have someone correcting you, but others are going to follow you. And then you're culpable for them following you. That's why it is so important to be held accountable in every area of life. The third one, Proverbs 12:1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. I mean, that's about as raw as you can get. You don't want to be corrected, you're stupid. You need to be corrected in order to become more like Christ. Proverbs 13, 18. Whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. That alone... Should be enough. That if you want correction, you want discipline, you're going to be honored by God. But if not, the opposite is true. The last one, Proverbs 15:5. A fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. Don't be foolish, don't be caught up in the wisdom of the world. But instead, walk the way, the path that Christ has directed, and find someone to help you. You need accountability. Here's another way that accountability looks. I learned from a pastor in Africa about this. He said, early in the days in Africa when Christianity came and and we were worshiping the Lord, we knew that we needed to pray a lot and we needed to find a place where we should go and pray. He said, so we would go through the pathways, creating our own, trotting down the grass until we found a nice spot, and there would be our prayers. Joel, a pastor in Nigeria, said, I got up at 3 every morning and went to my place and prayed. Here's loving correction. If you thought someone was not in that rhythm of prayer, that they were not in that rhythm of surrender, Then you held them accountable, and here's what you said. Brother, sister, I see that there is grass growing on your path. Isn't that gentle? Isn't that loving? That's all I need. I don't need somebody to come hammer into me these terrible things I've done. I know what I've done. I was there when it happened. But what I need is I need that that loving hand of Christ coming through a brother or a sister who says listen to what god has to say because their hope for me is my restoration is my growth my maturation in christ that's what he wants he wants what the prophet micah wrote in 68 he says this he has shown you o mortal what is good and what does the lord require of you to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's what he wants. He wants us to to act with justice, to love with mercy, and to walk in humility with him. How do we do that? With somebody's help, with someone to hold us accountable. One of the greatest scriptures on accountability is on the other end of it. It's a harsh statement of accountability. It's the story of Paul and Peter. Remember, Paul was not one of the original disciples. He calls himself an apostle born out of time, meaning that he did not have the privilege of, of walking with Christ for those three plus years, but he met him after the resurrection, and then he began following him. So he's a little, not the same as the other 11, just a little bit different than they are. Well... He comes and finds Peter in Galatians chapter 2, 11 through 14, and this is what he says. He calls Peter by his other name, Cephas. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, James was the head of the church in Jerusalem, and he had sent people to inform them how Jews and Gentiles were to get along. So he says, before certain men came from James, he, meaning Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group, saying you had to be circumcised in order to be a believer. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. Remember we said they will follow you? So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, who traveled with Paul, Was led astray. Now here's Paul's statement. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all of them, You're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? He called him on the carpet in front of a whole bunch of people. That's not the accountability I want. I want it to be private. I don't want it to be made public. So don't do anything stupid in public. Okay, do it in private. (laughs) Seeking forgiveness from God. Where are you going to find this person? That's the hard thing. Are you one of those people who can hold others in an accountability relationship? You may be. But to find them, I have five questions that I think you should ask them. And these are very important questions. They're simple. But they will tell you whether or not this person goes from just a normal friendship to a much higher level of friendship. Here's the first question. It's from 1 John 4.21. Do you love me? 1 John says, love God, love your brother, love your sister. We're talking about an agape love, a spiritual love, a love that's deeper, that appreciates who you are. Do you love me that much? Because if you don't love me that much, you're never going to hold me accountable. You hold me accountable because you love me. Secondly, Matthew 7, 1 through 2. Will you extend grace to me? And what Matthew says there is, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I'm a recipient of grace. Will I give that same grace to someone else if I'm holding them accountable? Will they give me grace if they're holding me accountable? Thirdly, very important, will you be honest with me? Matthew 5:37. let your yes be yes and your no, no. Hold a line on the truth and be honest with me, even when it's hard for you to be honest. If you're honest, God will prepare me to receive that honesty, and then I'll be able to deal with it. Four, will you bear with me when I struggle? James 1:19. Maybe the hardest one, quick to listen, slow to speak, not easily angered. That's hard to do, isn't it? But it's like the guy, the pastor, putting the log in the fire and taking it out. He listened, he didn't speak, and he did not have anger over the man missing three weeks of church. The last one is your discipline from last week. Will you pray for me? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 18. Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. I received a phone call years ago from a friend of mine, not a lifelong friend, a man I had known probably eight, ten years. He said, I have a problem, and I'd like to know if you would hold me accountable to get through this problem. I said, well... I'll do my best. Because you see, I did love him. He knew I'd tell him the truth. He knew that I would go through this burden with him. He knew that I would pray for him. He he knew that I could answer all those questions. I said, all right, what's your situation? He said, well, I watched some things online that I shouldn't. And he said, I have found an online service that will view my screen with everything I'm watching and they'll send you a copy of it once a month. So you'll know the sites that I have visited and you'll hold me accountable. I said, I can do that. Happy to do that. I said, now, if you slip up, you make a choice to visit one of those sites, I said don't be afraid to let me know because I'm going to see it anyway. So just let me know. We started our relationship. Three weeks later, I get a phone call. Hey, you're going to see something on my computer printout. It's uh, one of those things I shouldn't have done, but I did it anyway. I said, well, brother, did you ask the Lord's forgiveness? I did. I said, okay, let's keep going. Let's try it. We did this for several months. Eventually, it was almost disappearing, and then I recommended someone that I knew, who actually worked in that arena of counseling. To this date, that man has no more problems in that area of his life because God used me to hold him accountable as I have others holding me accountable because that's how it works. When you place yourself into a loving oversight relationship, then you're becoming totally dependent upon the Father to have them help you. That's how Christ lived his life. Consider this. The Trinity, in its eternal existence, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, determined that the Son, Jesus Christ, would take upon himself the form of a servant and be found in fashion as a man. So he became the God-man, 100% God, 100% man, in the same setting. But he was totally dependent... his father his father held him accountable why do you think he went to prayer he went to prayer all the time saying God I'm surrendered to you I am praying to you hold me accountable so I'll only do what you want me to do he never sinned he never fell to the temptations of the flesh or the temptations of the world and certainly not to the temptations of the devil how because he was constantly praying and surrendered you see how these are building on one another So he finds himself accountable to the Father all the way to the cross where he can finally say into thy hands, I commit my spirit. It's done. It's finished. I've achieved. And now, you know, I can stand with my God because I was held accountable. He served a whole life out of accountability. And let me tell you, you want to know how to live this life as a Christian? You live it through service. Someone said this, life transformation occurs most when we start serving rather than trying to stop sinning. Yes, stop sinning. Don't quit trying. But if your whole life is spent trying to quit sinning, you're probably not serving. So you are called to serve the Lord. Peter denied Christ. Christ held him accountable. He walked past him on that night and looked in the eyes of Peter. And Peter shuddered and went out and wept and repented. The next time we see them engage with each other is on the shore. When Peter comes into the shore and Jesus is there cooking breakfast, and Jesus says to him what? It's an accountability statement. Do you love me? It's the first thing we ask, wasn't it? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? A Hebrew way of emphasizing this concept. I need to know the depth of your love. And what did he tell him to do? Serve. He said, I served. And if you're going to be over many, you serve all of them. Serving is the place. Where? That's well, the place you need to be. Wherever God's called you to be. I'm not talking about just in the church. I'm talking about serving the kingdom of God In your workplace, everywhere you are, expanding your understanding of the gospel. When you do this, four things are going to happen. First of all, your integrity is going to increase because you're in an accountability relationship. Next, your humility will grow because you're going to realize more and more, wow, I am so far from where I need to be, but I'm so thankful that God has me on the right route and I'm headed where I should be. Thirdly, your self-awareness will advance. You need to be aware of who you are. How do you do that? By knowing more of who he is. The more you know him, the more you know yourself. When you're accountable to him, he's going to tell you more about who you are and who he wants you to be. And the last one I really like, your regrets decrease. You're no longer spending so much of your time saying, oh, I wish I hadn't, I wish I had. No regrets. The regrets pass away because you're serving the way you need to serve. Accountability helps you do what you cannot do by yourself, period. In Roman days, a Roman architect would build an archway for people to go through, and it was made all out of stone and kind of difficult in construction to get the stones to go around. And the last stone was the capstone. And the story is that to make sure it was secure... The architect would go and stand under it after it had been built. Because if it was going to fall, it would fall now. Can you stand up under the work that God has given you to do? Or is it going to cave in on you? Christ stood as a result of his work. He stood above all of the work that he did. And he calls us to go and stand at the foot of the cross knowing it's done. You come to Christ, you surrender, you pray, and then you find someone to help you be accountable. Romans 3:19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. We are all held accountable. To God. So let's help each other in that accountability by being accountable one to another. So here's your checklist. I surrendered two weeks ago. Check. I started increasing my prayer life one week ago. Check. And now I'm going to be made accountable. No check yet. You haven't done it. So you go do that this week. Try to find someone, pray someone down, or go to someone, be ready to respond to their request that you hold them accountable. We are all accountable before him. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. Lord, you have given us all truth. Help us to live in it. Help us to help one another. We are all human, Lord. We're all weak and flawed, every single one of us. We're just crying out to you, help us, Lord, in every way you can. We give you this day. This is the day you made, and we are rejoicing in it. So we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.